It's the premiere of Air Check Season 3. Episode 1 features WCMF Rochester, New York's Kano, Dave Kane. Dave's 40-plus years in radio include 40 years at one radio station, WCMF, with many studio and backstage tales to tell, including a great one with David Lee Roth. Let's go. Welcome to Air Check Season 3, a podcast about radio's personality. From radio personalities, managers, consultants, owners, and your most humble hosts, from Philadelphia, Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly. I'm Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. On this Air Check session, we're joined by a radio personality who was the daily conduit between radio, the artist, and his loyal listener base for over 40 years. Van Halen here at WCMF. So this is love from their most recent album. Also John Hall and a song called Crazy and Bob Seger starting us off in there. So many artist experiences he got to share with listeners over the years. He shares with us today. Nuge, it's Dave. Hi, Dave. This is the right number, huh? You got the right number and the right man. Son, you won deadly. Lita hey. Ford. Wait hey, a minute. Is it you? It's me. Is that you, Lita? You know what's going on? Billy F. Gibbons here. Please welcome to Aircheck, Kano, Dave Kane. Hey, uh, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Good day. It's Dave Kane. I'm happy to be here with Rich and Paul talking about radio. Dave, uh, you are enjoying an illustrious and successful radio career some 40 years, mostly at one radio station, WCMF. Uh, but one day you decided it was time to retire and you chose Friday, April 2nd, 2021. Now, when you looked at the calendar, did it occur to you to, and that, that your listeners or even management may have thought it was an April Fool's joke, uh, let alone Good Friday? Well, uh, the uh, 2nd of April was not the original date of uh, retirement that I had planned. It was going to be two weeks previous to that, March 19th, only because it was uh, I was going to give them three weeks notice after my uh, 40th anniversary broadcast. And it was going to be on a, a pay period. So I figured, oh, that'll tie up nice. And it was uh, brought up to me that uh, the rating period went until the end of March. And uh, since uh, the pandemic, they had rescinded all bonuses, but they were reinstated. And I stood to realize, you know, a nice bonus on my way out the door. And by staying until April 2nd, I was able to get another month on the company insurance. So I'll put in another eight days. That's fine. So, but the fact that it came out on Good Friday was purely coincidental. And, um, you know, whatever people read into it, uh, it was just coincidental, honestly. Well, word today, after 40 years, local radio host Dave Kane is retiring from WCMF. The announcement made on the station's Twitter page this morning, Kano's final broadcast will come up this Friday. A Rochester broadcasting legend. Let's talk about the buildup to that day. 40 years of being the midday companion to the listeners of Rochester, Market 60. What was it that made you reach that decision to call it a day? Well, it was the ongoing changes, not unforeseen and not unexpected in the progression of radio and, and the definition of what radio is and what purpose it's going to serve moving forward in a digital age when there are so many choices and social media, et cetera, that weren't there for the majority of my career. Not that radio hasn't been very corporate and very structured in the last couple of decades. I think that with large telecommunication companies also facing, how are we going to you know, go to the future? I mean, you know, there's always been these perceived threats to radio. First, there was CDs and downloading, and then there was satellite radio. But, you know, radio persevered and hung in there until the technology became very convenient for programming purposes, but also as an economic model uh, and a business model for broadcasting to be able to cut expenses, maximize the use of high paid talent and use the technology to automate and share and spread. Yeah, I, I, I won't deny that certainly 
automation and uh, the things that we've been able to do with the radio station with the technology has been great, but it comes with a very high cost, as we've seen in the last couple of years with the massive downsizing and uh, dislocations, you know, what, what, what's the uh, acronym for it? The uh, uh, RIFs. And again, not unexpected, but it's just been so jarring, especially because at the rate that it went during the pandemic, where a lot of companies, you know, everybody's scrambling, all right, how can we keep the broadcast going, but not be in the facility and realize, hey, we have the technology, we have the know-how and we have the money to get it started. And then after that, oh, you know, we can start trimming the fat as it were. And uh, certainly in markets like Rochester, you know, as we become the lower tier in a company's uh, hierarchy, uh, their arsenal of stations you know, we're the first ones to feel the pain for the most part. Not that the uh, other larger markets didn't, but it seemed like uh, we were the easiest to feed off of, uh, you know, to firm up, you know, the rest of the, uh, the team. The decision came about because all these things were happening and my radio station, which had, for the majority of my career was manned 24-7, was going in that direction. We had long ago automated overnights and then seven to midnight became a real push. So we had uh, Buffalo Sabres hockey and we had uh, the men's room uh, from our sister station in Seattle. And, uh, you know, it always remained, you know, night times, you know, the uh, listening fell off. So, okay, so that made sense. There was a lot of talk about uh, middays uh, not being essential. And we saw that borne out with uh, all of the uh, layoffs around the country of midday people and overnight and nighttime people if they hadn't already been, you know, let go. You know, I, I was on a termination list. I found out two years running, not simply because because of the hours on the radio that I did, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. had nothing to do with anything other than it was an expense that they felt they didn't need to have. And fortunately for me, local management, you know, ran as much blocking as they could. And uh, I was able to, to hang on. So back in September, more cuts had to be made. You know, back in the summer of uh, 2020, my focus was on having my contract extended so I could at least recognize my 40th anniversary in uh, just this past February. So once I said, yeah, I'm interested in keeping on, they let go my program director because they knew that I could still be on the air and I could run the physical plant, which I had been doing for many years anyway. So that's what happened. And working from home, the job just became all consuming. I got a lot of work done, but there every hour, every day, eight to 10 hours in front of this computer. And then, you know, because I would always say on the air, hey, we never close, we're always open, you know. Well, there has to be content, and there has to be automation, and it has to be checks and balances and as the only one around, it really did consume every day. You mentioned uh, the 40th anniversary show was at February 22nd of 2021. So they let you go out with a bang. Talk about putting that show together. How does one uh, do that? Were there any special guests, celebrity call-ins? Talk a little bit about what on that day. Well, sadly, and it was acknowledged to me, you know, earlier, you know, in the year, right before the anniversary, my general manager wrote, it sucks that you're having your 40th anniversary during a pandemic. And I was like, I get it. So there couldn't be any large scale celebration or concert. But I did return to the studio for that day and did a live broadcast and got to take phone calls, which had been, you know, close to a year since I had been able um, to do. Approaching that, I said, all right, I have to have a good amount of songs from over the years. I played a lot of music from the first year that I was on. I played some old air checks, just started going through the previous 40 years. How am I going to best represent this? And it boiled down to talking about a lot of memorable musical events and social events and things that a then 50-year-old radio station was able to look back upon. So musically, it was it was very easy. I just leaned on things that were topical, bands that were famous, uh, uh, just anything that was relevant, like, you know, a bunch of Foreigner and everything that led up to the, uh, to the 40th anniversary in February. It's a huge undertaking to put together 
a special like that, especially when you're not at the radio station for the prior 12 months. Okay, now we're going to orchestrate this thing. I mean, over the years, the, the people that you've met, uh, promotions that the radio station's done, I mean, Rich and I have uh, done uh, a sliver compared to what you've done, uh, but um, there's those opportunities where you get to meet uh, the other talent, which is the musicians. And, uh, you know, what we like to do in these episodes, uh, Dave, is um, name drop and uh, get your first reaction reactions on some of these names that come to mind and i'll uh, hit you with the first one david lee roth david lee roth i met uh, on one of my first trips out to the uh, to the west coast it was uh, you know some kind of convention or something or i think it may have been a charity bowl and one of the spips was hey we get to go to the long beach arena and watch the dress rehearsal for the david lee roth tour his first solo tour Man. And, uh, it, you know, so they trucked in, uh, you know, like two busloads of it. So there's, the, you know, some friends and family. So maybe 100 people or so in the Long Beach Arena. And they go through the whole set. And then afterwards, we're invited backstage to hobnob with Dave and got to meet him. And we talked about this and that. His dad was right there. He lit up a joint. We shared that. So and uh, he he called in on my 10th anniversary. You know, he's just, you know, he's such a character. He's very easy to talk to. He made it very easy. I told you we're expecting a call from Diamond David Lee Roth and... Dave, that's you, isn't it? Hey, it's two for Tuesday, twice the vice at half the price. It's David Lee. Dave, how are you? I'm fine, Dave, and uh, we, were, we were just catching up on old times, but we'll, we'll, uh, we digress, and we will spare the uh, listening audience all of that. No, we've known each other for many summers, Ben. We've gone uh, all the way summer. back to Long Beach. That's right. Uh, all right. solo tour. All right, so I'll digress. Dave called me on my 10th anniversary seven years ago, and we hung at the Long Beach Arena when he did his first solo tour. We catch up with each other every couple of years, and, that, and that's a beautiful thing. So when the microphone's turned off, is he normal or is he still bouncing off the walls? He's Diamond Dave Lee Roth. He's still just rapping and flowing and making all kinds of crazy things and laughing. What was your uh, what was your take on his uh, radio career, short lived on Free FM uh, back in two thousand six? Yeah, I give the guy credit for giving it a shot. You know, the one thing uh, you could say about David Lee Roth is he never really uh, you know faced uh, down a challenge. Uh, he tried everything. You know, he uh, he definitely had some balls, and he tried ready. You would think uh, a natural personality would do better, but uh, I guess it didn't do as well. He was 88th on the list, by the way, to replace Howard Stern. They talked about this at, a, at an NAB convention a couple years ago. And somebody asked the person on stage, what made you hire David Lee Roth to replace Howard Stern? They said he was 88th on the list. When we finally got to him, he says there was a lot of names in front of him, including people like Larry David, Jerry mm-hmm. Seinfeld, all these different people. And none of them wanted to follow Stern until they got down yeah. to David Lee Roth. And they said, well, you know, he did this Dave TV thing on MTV. TV and that was kind of cool so let's give this a shot so they put him on but what they forgot to uh, remember was that they did Dave TV a second time and he did all the exact same spiel he was like a one-trick pony like oh well so the difference there is that Howard Stern was a broadcaster all of these guys were not and you build up your chops you build up your rhythm you build up how are you going to phrase questions and Howard you know from you know was never going to be a music jock that was clear very early on and he developed into a, a very prolific and talented interviewer you know aside from all of the the sophomoric stuff that he would do he was really very focused very sharp I used to love seeing him on Letterman because he didn't have to talk about tits and ass and all of this. He would just 
I was like, this is a really bright guy, very articulate, and he knows how to get things out of people. That's a skill. That's a talent. Certainly, you can have a big personality like David Lee Roth and say, oh, he'll be great on the radio. I remember, you know, we had a, a situation once. We had a, a kid working for us in promotions. Great personality, smiling. Oh, we got to get you a, a weekend shit this summer. And it was a dud. You know, it just sometimes it just doesn't translate. But again, Howard had a background in broadcasting, being behind the mic, as opposed to uh, a stand-up who's in front of the mic. Now, you're a New York guy. I mean, uh, grew up in Brooklyn. Yankees fan? I was an original New York fan. Yankees, Knicks, Rangers, and Giants. No mess, no, no Mets, no Jets, no Nets, no uh, Islanders. Especially not the Islanders. Air Check. Season 3. Just wouldn't be possible without Seasons 1 and 2. Ugh. Sounds like there's going to be a copywriter position opening soon. Air Check Season 1 has Nina Blackwood in MTV's launch, Eddie Trunk's early career days, and Neil Mursky's FM movie moment. Air Check Season 1, available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play Air Check Podcast. So growing up in New York... Who did you like to listen to? Well, growing up, I listened to uh, 77 WABC. This is 77 WABC. And uh, I was a WMCA good guy. WMCA is the greatest. WMCA, our news the latest. WMCA, your favorite music station. But it was... It was ABC that I, I said, ah, I really like these guys, Dan Ingram and Ron Lundy and Chuck Leonard and Cousin Brucey and all of them. Loved them all, but Dan Ingram was the guy. Right, ribbon around the old oak tree. Yeah, that's Tony Orlando and Don. It's 13 past two on WABC. WABC. Going to give away the interest on a million dollars in about a half a minute. Dan You'd like to win it, huh? Well, in the meantime, i got a question for you. What's and then I discovered was- FM. And that was uh, NEW-FM. 1027 WNEW-FM, the place where rock lives. Rock and roll that opens your eyes. 16-song music marathons, day and night. Classic rock and new music. Brought to you by rock and roll DJs that are second to none. Rock lives only at 1027. Hit the button and listen to the finest rock and roll. 1027 WNEW-FM, where rock lives. And also WLIR out of Hempstead, great radio station. Now, there was WPLJ, but I, I was never drawn to them. I was always drawn to the hippie stations and the in-depth music and the live, spontaneous, great radio that uh, NEW did, that WBCN did. But my uh, my main uh, inspirations were Dan Ingram, Dennis Elsis from WNEW. There was a guy on classical radio, WQXR, the radio station of the New York Times. My father was a big classical fan. And it was the afternoon guy. His name was Duncan Kearney. For most- most of the time he was at WQXR, from 1942 until 1987, Duncan Purney was the maestro of this very hour. His charm, his wit, his ability to play games with the English language, and his love for classical music attracted listeners to WQXR for nearly two generations. And, of course, Dr. Johnny Fee. All right, Cincinnati, it is time for this town to get down. You got Johnny. Dr. Johnny Fever, and I am burning up in here. Woo! Woo! 
we all in critical condition, babies. But you can tell me where it hurts, because I got the healing prescription here from the big KRP musical medicine cabinet. Now, I am talking about your 50,000-watt intensive care unit, babies. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide, and say, give it to me straight, doctor. I can take it. Well, those were the four main inspirations. And, you know, Dr. Johnny Fever, it could have been New York, but um, the other three were most definitely New York. You know, I was able to build off of what I had gleaned from them and became me. Well, State University of New York, uh, Brockport, SUNY Brockport is where you went to school, uh, not originally as a uh, communications major. You were going for journalism, is that That's right? That's correct, yeah. I came up in Dayton, Rochester because I went to Brockport, only because they were the first college that accepted me when I, I hadn't even thought of going away. I'd already applied to city University and Brooklyn College. And the folks said, uh, hey, you are uh, looking to get away from, I mean, do you want to go away to school? And uh, <laughs> so I did. And they moved away, but I found them. But no, I started as a journalism major because newspapers were always a, a very big part of uh, my life growing up. Daily News, New York Times. I mean, in grade school, we even had a course on how to use the New York Times. Left-hand column is, uh, is the uh, second most important story. The right-hand column is the most important. How to fold it for the subway. You know, I was very interested in that and uh, was better at uh, reading, writing, and speaking than I was at math and science. Mom was uh, an English teacher. So I gravitated towards journalism. It was a lot of writing back then, back when you didn't have anything to write, you know, except pen and pencil and a IBM Selectric. But also there was an instructor. She was uh, very irascible, I guess. She was not pleasant and really turned me off to the subject as well as the fact simultaneously I had taken an intro to broadcasting class from a, a cat who had done some small town radio out in the Midwest and gave a very motivational, inspirational talk one afternoon about if you're really interested in radio, you'll go down and you'll get involved. And that's just what I did that very afternoon. Gave up journalism, started taking all the requisite communication, speaking, you know, and writing courses and improv theaters and all of that. So were you writing news for the college station or did you get your own music show? Now the news was, uh, well, it started, that's where you start doing news. It was all rip and read. And then I had a, a Sunday, very late night, half of the overnight show. And I think it was a Tuesday night show. So one was a rock show, one was a jazz show. You know, it, it wasn't even broadcast. It was carrier current, which means you could only, it was wired and you could only hear it on campus buildings. But you open that uh, that microphone and the old Gates cast iron board and you heard yourself in the headphones, you were on the radio. Very cool. WBSU, yeah, with music right there from uh, a band called Intensive Care, a song called Girl Scout Break. 395-2500, the number to call if you've got a request, but you've got about nine minutes. So, so you better make it quick if you've got one let's take a look at the weather Somebody well reminiscing about the past and nostalgia always plays a role in one's thoughts when they're they're ready to move forward and you're you know touching on some of those early days of your career and, and as you approach retirement what thoughts were you spinning on and were you thinking about a man named charlie logan in those early days well, I always think of my friend Chuck Ruff. That was uh, one of his uh, nom de plumes. But Charlie Logan and I met at the College Station in Brockport, and he was about a year ahead of me. And he was really good. He was the production director, and he had, you know, he had the pipes. You know, he was he was the late night DJ. The Late Night Express was his show, and he was very good. And we knew that Charlie. And I did want to say that the group of people that I worked with at the College Station were all very dedicated, and it was you know, a legit career. And I'm happy to say that most everybody that I worked with in my college days was gainfully employed in various levels, in various positions, management, sales, talent. So Charlie went into talent and he was uh, working in Rochester at the then uh, Burkhardt Abrams station called Magic 92 WMJQ. 
Lock in. And coming up, music from Sticks and Genesis on Magic 92. Feel what radio was meant to be. Minute after minute. Cut after cut. The ultimate musical fantasy flows free. From 92. Rochester's album station. Stereo FM. Magic 92. He was doing nights. I was working my first job about an hour east on the thruway in Geneva, New York, doing overnights, six nights a week, Barry Manilow, Robert John, the Commodores. A uh, big highlight would be the occasional Steely Dan, you know, Ricky, don't lose that number. You know, I didn't want to stay in Geneva, but once I had some professional experience, I could start sending out tapes and I sent him, uh, Charlie said, send them to Bernie Kimball, who was the program director at the time, and I'll put a bug in his ear. So I did. I kept sending tapes and, and I kept calling Bernie Kimball and he, he started calling me the pushy guy, but I did end up getting a part-time gig. And my friend Charlie says, you know what? You're like the only part-timer, you know, who can do anything. So it would be to your advantage if you move back here from Geneva to be available. So I gave up the full-time gig in Geneva, moved back. Uh, to Rochester, where I essentially became a full-time part-timer. I was uh, doing overnights full-time, getting paid three fifty an hour and weekends and stuff. And then that uh, Charlie left, he went down to go to, um, uh, first he was in Jacksonville at Rock 105 WFYV. From there, he went down where he worked at WYNF in Tampa for many years. 95 YNF, the home of rock and roll in Tampa Band, a two for Tuesday, closing out a 30-minute commercial free cruise. I love that band, Havana Black with Lone Wolf. They sound a lot like, you know, like early bag Company. Matter of fact, they sound more like Bad Company now than Bad Company sounds like Bad Company now. Charlie Logan, along with you this afternoon, it's a two for Tuesday. Let's head towards Jacksonville, where they say the west side is the best side, because that's where these guys hail from. The Skinner Band, what's your name on a two for Tuesday from 95YNF? After Tampa, Chicago, he was uh, working satellite radio for a while and took what turned out to be his last programming job in Las Vegas, only to lose the gig within a year due to uh, budget cuts. And so he stayed out there, made a life for himself, and created a business outside of radio. But had it not been for Charlie having Bernie Kimball's ear, I mean, I probably would have gotten a job at some point, but he helped uh, expedite uh, the progress. He was like, oh, come on, get the guy out of Geneva. You know, he wants a rock. And, you know, so it all worked out. But Charlie's a, a good friend for uh, low these many years since we were in our early 20s. Yes. Going to hit you with another name drop. Yeah, sure. Tony Iommi of Black Sabbath. Well, who didn't uh, in my age group have a, a wasted youth with Black Sabbath as part of this contract. And uh, I don't remember so much first call. I remember bringing home volume four. I do that. And look, you know, playing them all my career and being able to play deep stuff, you know, like NIB and uh, The Wizard and all the, the other cool things, you know, Snowblind. And then to be playing it on the radio and then say, hey, Tony Iommi's got a book coming out. This is 10 years ago. Yeah. And he says, they're doing, uh, you know, press calls. Would you like to interview us? Like, please. So uh, we did. It was just a thrill of a lifetime. Of course, they've got the accent. And when he came on the line, and says, hey, Kano. And I was, <laughs> I was in heaven. Kano. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Thanks. How are you? I'm uh, out of my mind. I am just out of my mind. Can't believe that I get to talk with you. I mean, I, I don't even want to tell you how many uh, Sabbath albums were the soundtrack to years of my misspent youth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is that good or bad? That's a beautiful thing because I ended up playing rock and roll for a living. So And so did you, although I do it in a different way. I play your rock and roll. But uh, no, I mean, this is this is just such a, a pleasure and a privilege to be able to speak with you. And I, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, call in. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. How are you feeling? 
all right. Yeah, and I've been a bit jet lagged the last few days, but apart from that, I'm okay. Yeah, so where are you down in? Are you on the East Coast or the West Coast? I'm down in New York. Yeah, so they got you sitting there. Say, here's a phone. You make those calls, or your book's not going to sell. <laughs> you get on that phone. That's it. <laughs> it, was, it was just great. It was. You don't think uh, I? I never thought of that stuff growing up. Listen, I wonder what it's like to meet the rock stars. Until I got into business, I said, "Oh, this is so very cool." It was just, you know, very easy to talk to. A lot of the English guys were. They're so, you know, sedate and and calm most of the time. That's a very good question, Dave. You know? <laughs> so. This is an Air Check Rewind, Season 2, Fred Jacobs. We really had a lot of fun. I mean, back then, the radio station was very much a reflection of who you were as a person. Uh, When I programmed in Detroit, there were really four rock stations, and that was the case in a lot of markets. I mean, Philly was like that. Chicago was like that. Big markets had three or four stations that were all kind of similar in that they played rock and they had personalities. So you really had to be a great radio station to stand out and win in that environment. Aircheck, a podcast about radio's personality from Radio Personalities. Seasons one and two available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You can also listen on your smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, play Aircheck Podcast or OK, Google, play Aircheck Podcast. Paul and I have worked for many radio stations during our respective careers. We sent out many cassettes and resumes uh, to land the next gig. You stayed in Rochester. Why? Why not New York City or anywhere else? What What made you stay in Rochester? Well, I had kind of, when I started working at CMF and things started going well, I also started to get, all right, what more is there to do? You know, the programming bug. I was already the music director. And I, at that time, being a program director was you choose which records to play, their rotations, your promotions, you work with your staff, and uh, there you go. Then with the advent of everything else, social media and that kind of thing. At the time, I went on a bunch of interviews for programming gigs. I didn't get any. And I said, ah, who wants a program anyway? But at that point, so I'm about 10 years in at that point, I'm having a great time and uh, they loved having me. It seemed to be a a good gig. Originally, my intent was to get back to New York City. My ideal was to be back on WNEWFM in New York. But as I grew into my role here as, uh, as a popular personality, big fish in a small pond, there really were no negative to that because of continued success back then it, it wasn't two percent raises you'd get six seven eight percent raises as long as you kept producing that was the deal and then we were bought by uh, you know cbs and uh, they didn't pay any attention to the salaries at one point i was the hundred thousand dollar midday guy in rochester new york it was unbelievable and that was a goal of mine and i said i can't believe this i'm in my at the time it was market 58 i called my ma and i told her I said, yeah ma so uh she was very proud she always encouraged my career my my father always said, take some business classes, you know, something to fall back on. I said, Dad, the whole idea is to not have to fall back. So, and he says, you don't know how much this galls me. And he said, Dad, you know, I've always wanted to be uh, a broadcaster. He says, that's not a career. <laughs> well, it certainly turned into one, right? And and through those 40 years, I mean, when you started in February of 81 at CMF, uh, MTV hadn't even been on the air yet. And, you know, you were playing records and then the CD came along. Uh, we, we went live to automation, as you mentioned a little while ago. The advent of the MP3, which brought Napster, the iPod, streaming services, downloads. Talk a little bit about that evolution through the past uh, four decades and how a constant like yourself for the city of Rochester had to zig and zag through it all. Well, you know, we, we go back uh, to the beginning and uh, it's, as I mentioned, you know, it's very easy. Radio is, is pretty simple. Throughout the years, it's taken a knocking. 
and we kept on rocking. Whether it's been from turntables and tapes or CDs and hard drives, Kano's been playing the best rock and roll on the radio in Rochester for 40 years. And for all of those years, it's only been on 96.5 WCMF. Whether it was the appearance of Napster and downloading, I remember when it was cassette tapes, record companies, well, they're going to tape all the records from their friends and nobody's going to buy anything. And then they didn't want radio stations playing albums in their entirety. Hey, brand new album feature because they'll tape it off the radio. And then, uh, you know, other technologies, uh, the CDs came and downloading and file sharing. And, you know, it, it's everywhere. All I had to do was just hold on and do what was required and what was expected. Change with the times, adapt to the new technologies. When you're there for as long as I've been, you already have this rapport, this relationship with the audience. They'll go with you. If they have any stock in what you have to say and you start talking about, hey, you know, we got this uh, great new uh, music format that we're using on, on CMF now, playing compact discs. And uh, to the point was, yeah, you know, everything's on a hard drive and uh, it would be great when we'd have a computer issue and I, you know, and I'd be trying to solve it live on the air. So this is how you know we're live kids. You know, I'm trying to get the computer. To restart here. <laughs> so, but it was, it was always just a matter of, of keeping up. You know, I credit my good friend, Chris Crowley, who came to the radio station in 2009. I was in over my head as the programmer. They brought in Chris Crowley and he taught this old dog new tricks. He brought me into the 21st century in terms of a whole number of, of approaches, be it broadcasting, be it social media, be it, you know, interaction uh, with coworkers. I learned a ton. Again, being open, uh, not thrilled with change, but being open, voicing any concerns I would have, having those concerns addressed, and uh, and moving on. I you know I can't think of any uh, mistakes or missteps. I can just, in hindsight, look back and said, you know what, you could have done this sooner, or you could have handled that better. But nonetheless, you adapt and roll with the changes, as as Ario said. Because and how I managed to keep zigging and zagging through six owners, 14 program directors, and six GMs, was I was good at what I did, and I managed to you know, always be able to go with the program. One of the words that came about in the past year, pivot. It sounds like something you were very good at all along the way. Yeah, you know, you just, yeah, it, pivoting. Look, look, look what the industry did when faced with the pandemic and say, okay, we have to vacate all of our studios. It's done. It gets done. And that's the one thing about radio. It has to get done, you know, because we don't close. We're open all the time. You can't just be standing there with your hands empty like the, uh, you know, the very common nightmare that almost all personalities have had. I had it last night. <laughs> so I'm running out, nothing left to play, you know, no carts, nothing. I'm like, hard, what the hell decade am I in, you know? But yeah, that is unbelievable how that is such a shared nightmare. But uh, yeah, it was like the, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do uh, because failure is not an option. There we go. Because you're live. Air check season three is happening. Only wish Rich and Paul were. Anyway. It's another list of guests with their stories and audio from radio. Aircheck Season 1 has Neil Mursky's Van Halen in-studio nightmare and Keith Roth introducing Alice Cooper to Joey Ramone. Aircheck, a podcast about radio's personality from Radio Personalities. Season 1, available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play Aircheck Podcast. The WCMF Rochester, Dave Kane. I mean, your name's synonymous with features that were on the radio station for years. And uh, who knows, you may even come back and host a couple of them. But, um, you know, we've got people listening to this podcast all across the country. 
may have never heard of WCMF Rochester. They know who Dave Kane is, though. So uh, tell us about some of the features that you were so known for at the radio station. Okay. Well, I just want to point out that in uh, 2019, WCMF realized its 50th anniversary as a rock station in Rochester. Various permutations of the format, uh, you know, it was all uh, getting alternative back in the 80s, and then it was grungy and everything, but we rode the wave of whatever was uh, popular. And there were many, many traditions and things. They used to have a river race, you know, back before things like liability came into the conversation. There were many, many great traditions. We used to have a big stereo sale in the uh, basement of the uh, the local war memorial, half price sale, all of these things, you know, that would last for a while and then go away. But on air, we had certain mainstays. Uh, we used to have a, a fantastic local music program. It was every Sunday night for two hours by uh, our then overnight host, the late great Uncle Roger. He was the beacon for local music. We put out six homegrown albums as a result. We were always known for great musical stunts. And then my daily features became the noon hour were the workforce blocks. When I first started in 81, they were just starting to address the importance of the midday shift being a, a, a bridge from morning drive to afternoon drive, not so much as the housewife shift anymore. We got an increasing workforce. So we started to cater to that workforce blocks, play three uh, sets of your favorite artists. Lunchtime. Lunch. It's lunch. Lunch hour. Go in the lunchroom. Yes, I'm hungry, safe, and sound, and hungry. Of course you're hungry. I'm hungry. We're all hungry, so let's eat. Let's eat. And now it's time for only friend of working force in Rochester, New York, in US of A. It's Dave Kane and the noontime workforce blocks on WCMF. And WCMF Then uh, one of the salespeople had an idea of, hey, why don't we give lunch away? You do it in the noon hour. So we were able to find a local pizza place that said, yeah, let's try it for a week. Hey, write to me, get your lunch for free. People did. And it was met with such overwhelmingly positive response. They quickly lined up other sponsors. So it became very successful and people would love to hear their names on the air and we'd spotlight local businesses. And then things started getting creative. People would send me samples of the work. Hey, we work in a bowling alley. So the letter was written on a bowling pit. I got a great assortment of tools and all manner of just weird stuff. Guys working in a body shop sent me the letter written on the skin of a door, a sheet metal skin of a door. So it got really, really cool. And we continued that for many, many years. The noon hour became, in addition to the free lunch giveaway, any kind of historical relates, birthdays, anniversaries of concerts or anything within the rock and roll sphere that could be acknowledged and backed up with some great music playing deep cuts and things like that. And then uh, we just said, all right, all right, we're done with the lunch. We did it for 30 some odd years. But we still did the noon feature, using it as a spotlight and a showcase for anything relevant uh, musically, especially in the case of musicians that started passing. If it was during the week, the noon hour became the thing. If it was an artist of such magnitude, a Tom Petty and Eddie Van Halen and Neil Peart would say, well, I know Neil Peart's death happened late in the day. I said, tomorrow. And I put it on Facebook, tomorrow, all day. Eddie Van Halen, tomorrow, all day. Tom Petty, was. I was on the air when I had to relay the news. And I said, tomorrow all day. It became the focal point of the day at work listening. What's going to be on in the noon hour? And they still continue the tradition. They actually are using my name in the noon hour saying Kano's block of work, uh, workforce block of rock in the spirit of Kano, which I found very flattering and very cool. Just reminds people I'm not there. They even have our uh, voice guy, Austin Keys, going, Dave's not here. 
which was, uh, you know, the Cheech and Chong thing was my big handle. Who is it? Dave, man, open up. Dave? Yeah, Dave. Dave's not here. <laughs> so um, the original Friday song on WCMF was by a cat named John Hartford. Hey, babe, you want a boogie? Boogie, woogie, woogie with it. You know, I boogie it in the kitchen. I boogie it in the hall. I got some on my fingers. Oh, I wiped it off you. So that was the John Hartford. You can look it up. At some point, it became the Friday song, uh, Shanty. Jonathan Edwards going to sit around the Shanty Mama and put a good buzz on. All about smoking weed. Two and a half minutes. For years, we would get all those calls. Think it's a little socially irresponsible that you're playing those songs about promoting drug use. And we're like, oh, honey, please. You know. Now it's legal. Only thing I forgot to mention on my final day, and the final song was the Friday song, was I forgot to mention that, hey, this is the first time we're playing the Friday song since it was legalized two days ago. Well, you're, set, you're song, setting the record straight here. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry I didn't acknowledge that, but it was very cool. It had been literally legalized two days before on Wednesday in Wee! Forget why I started mentioning people's names or businesses, and then that became a thing to be mentioned on the Friday song, birthdays, and it also became a great little personal schmooze for me. You know, I could spiff, hey, and I tell the sales guy, if you have trouble getting this client, I'm not, you know, give me a little added value, shout them out on a Friday song, you know, every week or so, you know. But it became the ceremonial start to the weekend with the Friday song, and then I had closing that also finished things up that people know. It's the weekend. And whether it played before three, my, my shift sometimes went to four at various times. And then back in September, when I was the only live guy during the day, it was noon to six. So I played it before five. But the traditional time is right before three. So it became this whole big thing. And, and if I was on vacation, God forbid, whoever was filling in for me didn't play it. I would hear about it. I get calls and texts. Hey, you didn't play a Friday song. You know, it's widely acknowledged as, as the official start to the weekend. Can't have the weekend start. Listeners become conditioned creatures of habit. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, again, having that minute or 40 second montage of things that really insinuate it's the weekend. And then, you know, you rip into something great at the top of the hour, you know, like the fast lane or back in the saddle, something just falls out. So it really gets people pumped. But that remains one of our most popular programming features. Uh, and I know what I mentioned my friend Chris Crowley when he first got here in 2009. First thing he did was just strip everything away. Wanted to see what worked and what didn't. Two for Tuesdays came back after about a week or two away. Just the immense appeal of it and the concept. And you could express, uh, extend it on weekends. So that came back. And we did all manner of musical stunts, A disease and essential artists. And anytime, you know, somebody was coming to town, there would be the appropriate feature back when people came to town on a regular basis. And we got stuck in the middle, Rochester, in between Buffalo, which has 18,000 seats, and uh, Syracuse, which has the Carrier Dome. So we started to get bypassed a lot. Our hockey barn only seats maybe up to 12,000. So we started losing a lot of shows. We have a great club scene and mid, mid, uh, mid-level mid halls and things that were awesome. This is an Air Check Rewind. Season one, Keith Roth. One of my favorite stories with The Who was John Entwistle. The first night that he came down, he asked if uh, he could make, you know, is there a place to make coffee? And Amy fired up a pot of coffee, and when the coffee was brewed, John Entwistle opened up a bottle of cognac and poured the whole bottle into the coffee, stirred it up, added some milk and sugar, and handed me a cup, <laughs> and I felt really good. By the second cup, I literally needed half, you know, after they had left and everything, I needed someone to uh, pick me up because, I mean, you know, John Entwistle's a complete professional and, you know, I never 
had cognac, coffee with milk and sugar. But, you know, John liked to party. But, you know, you never knew he was um, feeling it. Air Check, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities. Seasons one and two available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You can also listen on your smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, play Air Check Podcast. Or, OK, Google, play Air Check Podcast. Rich and I, along the way, we've earned some nicknames, whether or not we earned them or not, but we had them on the air, off the air. Kano, where did that come from? Surprisingly, pre-radio. In college, it, I was anointed that. We, uh, we played a lot of basketball, and, uh, and I played with the same group of guys for pretty much my entire four years. And we never played you know, on the team, but we would go down and play intramurals. We'd go down for a couple hours you know, most nights and, and run. My friend Chris, who's uh, still my dear friend just, and, and my accountant, started calling me Kip Kano. Kip Kano was a marathon runner from Kenya who won in the Olympics back in the 60s. For some reason, he started calling me Kip Kano. And then it just became Kano. And that was that. So, and as a, I mean, it wasn't so much in college, he was the only one, but it was friends who started calling me that when I was in radio and then it just kind of stuck. So on the air, I, I would only rarely say, Hey, it's Kano. It was, it was always Dave Kano, but any imaging or, uh, or promotion of the show was Kano. I became somebody known by their first one name. I'm, it's a beautiful sting, Madonna, Cher, Kano. <laughs> Can't forget about Ozzy. And to that, what, what comes to mind when you hear the, the name Ozzy Osbourne? Uh, it was a thrill and a half when I got to speak to Tony Iommi on the phone. My first year at WCMF, 1981, also the year that Ozzy went solo and put out Blizzard of Oz. And uh, Rochester was uh, one of the early stops on the tour. At that time, the guy who was uh, doing evenings and was the music director was also hosting a once a week television show that we had called After Hours. One of the part-timers that we had, camp by the name of Marty Duda, good friend of mine from college, lives in New Zealand. He was uh, a, uh, a producer director at the local affiliate uh, in independent station. It was the Fox network back then, but there was no network. So he produced the show after hours. Ozzy was coming to town to play a date. They were going to be in town a day early. They convinced him to do a recording uh, in the TV studios. We did a contest where we had winners come down. And it's the only existing live footage of Randy Rhodes playing with Ozzy recorded it's it's all over the internet uh and uh my friend marty sold a print of it to uh to ozzy's four songs so ozzy you know was up at the station i recorded the thing about january of last year this blizzard of oz album and i didn't never realize it was going to be a such a success as it looks like it's going to be you know in england it went straight in the charts at seven it's doing well all over the world. I've recently recorded yet a second album since before I came to the States. It's the, the new album's called Diary of a Madman, which is going to be released, uh, I think, maybe later on in the year. Uh, the day of the show, and uh, as, you know, anybody come, we, hey, hey, can you come into production studio and cut a couple of IDs for us? Now, hi, it's Ozzy Osbourne, you're rocking with WCMF. Ozzy, even back then, so 81, and he's in his 70s. So, yeah, he's in his mid to late 30s or mid 30s or something. I'm two or something and it was great it was easy to talk to and he was very you know animated and you know he's, and he talked like this but he was very very scattered but uh we took him into the production studio and he could not get a sentence out we would write it down in big fat sharpie you know hi this is ozzy osborne and you're listening to hi this is ozzy and you're listening to wmf fuck i fucked it <laughs> just a whole reel of him so we, you know we're able to splice with a razor and splicing tape and you say, what is it? What, Kano? Kano? Right. So 
But he was, <laughs> he was charming and he was great and it was a fantastic show. And uh, he came back the next year uh, and it was the same deal with the IT. So I'm Ozzy Osbourne. Go fucking crazy. <laughs> I'll hit you with another name. Yeah. Lou Graham of Farner. Well, Lou Graham is is beloved here in, in Rochester. He's from here. You know, local boy makes good. The Jukebox Hero story. Although Jukebox Hero is not written about Lou's career and rise to stardom, although it could certainly be applied. Rochester Music Hall of Famer Lou Graham is with us this morning. You're all over the country. You've, you've toured so many different places. What does it feel like to come back home, you know, to your, your roots and perform for um, your local fans who adore you? It, it's... It's always a lot of anticipation. It certainly is a thrill, obviously. I think uh, Rochester fans are the ones that just let all the emotion out and, <laughs> and uh, you can really relate to them. You know, he went to the local schools. He's He knew all the local culture. The song Rev on the Red Line, where he mentions a, a street called Lake Avenue, which is a major north-south avenue, goes from downtown Rochester all the way down to the lake. And that last third was known for drag racing because it was long, uh, strips of empty road. If you time the lights correctly, you could drag for a quarter mile. So Lou was in the hot rod scene. He was in the local rock scene. He started with a very popular local band called Black Sheep. They ended up doing uh, two albums for Chrysalis and Mick Jones had seen Mick Jones from uh, Spooky Tooth at the time was together his band and he saw this kid. I think they opened for him or something. Anyway, became aware of Lou, unknown. And, you know, that part is history. So Lou has always been very visible. It's like Bruce Springsteen. You know, people know who he is. They acknowledge him. They respect him. They don't get in his space. Of course, it's not uncommon to see Lou at the supermarket or at one of the car shows because Lou has always had some really sharp hot rods. So he'd be there and he just, you know, he's just just Lou. And, uh, you know, after I met him for the first time and he was in town, he'd come up, he'd call in. His solo re uh, release, I remember going down, he had his own studio here in town. Uh, he brought us, uh, invited the staff down to listen to his new solo album. It, it was always great to have that local connection with the internationally known rock star who was, uh, you know, very down to earth and very well known. You know, there's a parallel to that with being a big fish in a small pond. You know, when I grew up in New York City, I never thought I'd run into Dennis Elsis or Scott Muni, even if I was in Manhattan. Oh, look, there's, you know, there's Scott Muni. Hey, professor. Never happened. But here, again, you run into, you know, people, uh, radio and TV personnel at the supermarket or at shows or at the zoo or whatever. So it's it was very cool to have Lou always available. We did so many shows. He played my either my 30th or 35th anniversary show with his, his solo band, which also included a couple of local members that are doing very well. A kid by the name of Michael Stairtoes playing guitar with a whole bunch of different bands. He was with uh, Slaughter most recently. So, But having Lou as the local jukebox hero was always great because he always chose us as his destination to talk about stuff. Air Check Season 3 is up and running. A podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities. God help us. Air Check Season 1 has stories and audio from Nina Blackwood and John Mellencamp, Cousin Ed and Metallica, Eddie Trunk and Kiss. Air Check Season 1, available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play Air Check Podcast. All right, Dave, here's another name drop. Me being from the Garden State, New Jersey, got to bring up the Sopranos and the E Street Band. What about Little Steven? Little Steven, I became very friendly with uh, because we were one of the uh, very first affiliates, the Little Steven's Underground Garage. We also had a, a common friend, a independent promotion guy out of Buffalo. His name was uh, Bruce Mosier. He, he passed during the pandemic and 
He was a guy who uh, represented management and bands from out of Canada because can Canadians didn't have uh, American record labels. So a lot of times we were introduced to new Canadian bands by Bruce Mosier. He also uh, worked with little Stephen on his Disciples of Soul and, and Stephen's early solo recordings and was also tied in with helping to promote the underground garage. And then I got to meet Stephen a couple of times as a solo artist and uh, the couple of times uh, that I met the E Street Band. Actually, I only met Bruce twice and Stephen a couple of times. Uh, but who's and, counting? And, yeah, yeah. I, I have photographic evidence of me and Stephen. And I also, he did some great IDs for me for two of my anniversaries. Hey baby, little Stephen here. And as impossible as it may seem, Dave Kane, or as all you folks in Rochester know him as Kano, has been serving Rochester's rock and rollers for 40 years, baby. That's right. Right here on 96.5 WCMF. In today's world, that's like unheard of. Marriages and friendships don't last that long. So Rochester, consider yourself to have the coolest DJ in town. Next to me, of course. And Kano, congratulations on 30 years at WCMF. Here's hoping someday you get a real job. What really cemented the friendship I had with, with little Steven, and it was... It was listen. It wasn't like we we're buds calling each other. But if I were to call him, he'd know who I was. Kano. He uh, he was involved with a a great band up here called the Chesterfield Kings. And uh, you know, very retro. They look back to the British invasion. You know, they would dress the part day and night. You know, the lead guitarist Andy Babuke still wears you know the tight pants and he has the head of beetle-like hair and you know you can rock it at 60 years old with the pointy pointy boots. Anyway, they faithfully recreated that sound and then they would branch out into others. So little Steven caught wind of them and started to feature them on the Underground Garage and also produced two of their records and worked with them. He was in town frequently. One day, Greg, the lead singer, Greg Prevost, called me and said, hey, do you have a studio that we and, and a satellite uplink? Because Steven's going on vacation from his satellite show and wants me to fill in. So they want me to audition. I said, yeah, yeah, come on down after, you know, after we close after five. And the guy came down and we uplinked the satellite and he said, you know, we'll bill you. And he says, you know, it doesn't cost anything hardly. I didn't, you know, it was about an hour. So I'll just be, you know, so he was all done. It's okay. Bye. So then uh, Steven calls me on my cell phone. He says, Hey, Kano, little Steven. And that's what I said. It was real nice what you did, you know, and he went on to thank me for providing studio time and not asking for anything. And, and then, you know, we would keep in touch about the Kings and this and that and, and the little Steven show. And that's why when he was approached about, hey, you know, can you do an ID for Kano? He, he did some great stuff. I don't know that he'd recognize me if he ran into me, but I think if I called him and said Kano, he'd know. What you brought to the air at WCMF wasn't just the names of these artists, but the tales that they could tell. Carmine Apice was on the air with you one day. Tell that story. One of the most ubiquitous and talented drummers anywhere in rock and roll. He has been there since Vanilla Fudge and he has played with so many people and been on so many albums and tours. I mean, he and he's a very cool cat. As a matter of fact, he was part of the uh, WCMF Hall of Fame All-Star Band. WCMF was inducted into the Rochester Music Hall of Fame for a 50th anniversary. Carmen Apice was the drummer in a band that also included Ron Thal from Guns N' Roses and also uh, a local singer by the name of Phil Narrow, who sadly just passed. Uh, Kennedy National Bank presents... Uh, 
the 8th Annual Rochester Music Hall of Fame Awards. Sunday, April 28th at the Kodak Hall Eastman Theater. Introducing the class of 2019 with Beach Boys founding member El Jardine performing hits from the Beach Boys and celebrating the 50th anniversary of WCMF with all-star supergroup with musicians from Guns N' Roses, Whitesnake, Ozzy's, Blizzard of Oz, and Talis. Plus, the barman uh, was uh, coming to town and he called to do an interview talking about the upcoming show, but he said, I got this really funny John Lennon story. And I also host, a, I had hosted a Sunday morning breakfast with the Beatles program. And it was a great, great story. So it, it started with my brother Vinny. My brother Vinny was rehearsing at the record plant in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Iovine was then like a second engineer, just started to produce stuff. He was a friend of Vinny's. Vinny grew up in Brooklyn, so did Jimmy Iovine. Jimmy Iovine used to go to the record plant with Vinny and his friends in, in one car. Right. So they were up there rehearsing. Jimmy comes up and goes, hey, come on downstairs. We need some hand clapping on a song. He goes downstairs. And who's in the studio in the control room? John Lennon. Man. Uh, and whatever gets you through the night was the song's band. Did the hand claps on that song. Then they became friendly with John Lennon through that. So at one point, my brother Vinny says to John Lennon, he says, hey, John, do you, uh, you like Italian food? And he goes, yeah, I love Italian food. Goes, oh, my mother makes the best Italian food. She made Italian food for Rod Stewart, for Jeff Beck. He says, yeah, I love it. So he goes, I'm going to have her make you something. So I said, okay. So my mother makes a pan of lasagna, homemade lasagna. Mm. And my brother Vinny gives it to John Lennon. And then, you know, never heard anything about it. A few months later, I'm playing Madison Square Garden with Rod Stewart. We did five shows there. And then we had this big party at the end of it. John Lennon had come to the last, I think it was the last show, and one of the shows, and we met him there, and then he came to the party. So also at the party was my mother and father. Having a big party with Rod Stewart, I invited them. So they came. So there's John Lennon at our party with Yoko, with my mother, father, and me. And, you know, my mother said, hey, is that John Lennon over there? I said, yeah. You know, she says, you know, I made him lasagna. I never found out if he liked it or not. I said, oh, okay. Well, let's go over and ask him. So we went over. We introduced my mother. So, you know, this is my mother and Vinny's mother. She gave you lasagna. He goes, oh, yes. My mother said, so I never found out if you liked it. He goes, oh, yeah, I loved it. My mother says, can I have the pan back? <laughs> hey, give me back my pan. <laughs> right? And and this was the pan that made all the lasagna for all those years. Uh-oh. And now John Lennon had it, and she never got it back. So I was so, like, embarrassed. <laughs> you know? And I said, oh, come on, Mom, we got to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I, is. I didn't wait for an answer. But it was, it was a great story, and, and I, uh, I, Carmen, you know, showed up for our induction, and I got with him, and we chatted, and it was uh, it was just a great time. Just to last that long in the rock and roll business, you can't be an asshole all the time. You have to have treated people well, and you have to still have your chops, and he still does. And he was a charming and 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 gracious uh, interviewee. Well, it's relationships and you know engagements that you know the radio personalities that they form with the listeners as well as these artists. I mean, it, it's it's really unmatched. And radio, you know, it creates community, unconditional love, loyalty, among other things. Uh, you know, but most of all, radio creates expression and you know, all characteristics that lean towards a positive human emotion inspired by a sense of ownership. I mean, that connection, it breeds pride, loyalty, the unconditional love, uh, and satisfied return customers tuning in for their favorite radio show and their favorite radio personalities like you, Dave Kane. I mean, talk about your listeners and what you could feel from that side of uh, the microphone. Over the years, what I have put out there has, has come back to me, you know, tenfold. 
in terms of, you know, my, my love for the audience because, you know, based on the fact that, hey, you tune into me every day, thanks very much, you're affording me a great career. When I mentioned earlier about growing up in New York, you never expect to see a personality. When you're in a smaller market and you can be with the people in person and they get to see you, you know, it was still like, you know, my mom was a, was a school teacher and we go to the supermarket and a student would see her, oh my God, you have children? You know, it's like, you know, wow, you shop at the supermarket? It was that kind of thing until you become so omnipresent at sporting events and concerts and emceeing and on the air and on uh, benefits and, and fundraising. And uh, I would always volunteer for the uh, uh, PBS station. You know, hey, you want to, this is a face for radio. If you want it off your TV screen, please call the number right now and pledge. And they would have me on, you know, during when they would show Woodstock or other, you know, rock docs. But um, being a constant on the air and then to be able to reinforce that by showing people, you know, I'm pretty much the same as you. I just happen to be on this side of the radio. And the relationship with the listeners also breeds in one a great sense of comfort and being comfortable with the fact that they all like what I do on the air allows me to be myself on the air. Nutty, zany, filled with background information, mental gaps that I'll make fun of. Uh, listeners associate me with 420 a great deal. I never really did anything to dissuade that. Oh, go figure. A middle-aged classic rock jock smokes dope. Go figure. But in the past, we've done some great stunts, you know, Three for Madness and, you know, just playing every weed song and smoking song we could think of. In, in my case, familiarity did not breed contempt. It just bred good feeling and a, and a good relationship because it was more about me just playing music. Because, you know, for me, music has always been my go-to for whatever I needed it for, for encouragement, for uh, feeling bad for being angry, you know, where words fail, music speaks. And uh, I can't think of what to say, but I know a song that does. And that's always been the case. So whether it was the death of a rock star or, uh, you know, more recently last summer when we had some serious rioting here in Rochester, I had to come on the air uh, the day after the night before and go, well, you know, here we are. And had a, a without pontificating going up, I just said, look, I don't know what to say and I don't know what we can do moving forward. But here are some songs that will help us get on the road. Any kind of event like that, especially after 9-11, I still have a, uh, a folder of emails that I got because two days after, we had been on the air almost nonstop for two hours uh, on the 11th and the 12th, taking phone calls, talking, reflecting, just doing what everybody did. And then on the 13th, the morning show ended at 10 a.m. Uh, because it had just been an extension of the morning show for two days. And I got back on and I said, uh, okay, I don't know what to do here. So I just started playing songs, songs that had uplifting positive messages and, and songs that dealt with every emotion that were going through people's minds, sadness, loss, uh, you know, positivity, you know, looking ahead and anger. And I played all those songs and it, it resonates with people like you wouldn't believe. So I became known for being able to fill the occasion to be able to be there. I don't know how many times I had to talk about local people that were local musicians uh, that we lost. Just the fact that I was here and that I knew them and I could relate to the people and localize it and have the people express their ownership of our radio station and what we mean to them, the go-to for anything music. Like just as we have an old 50,000-watt clear channel station on the AM is the go-to for news and info, we were the go-to. And I became the go-to for anything, you know, that was rock and roll related. This is an Air Check Rewind, Season 2, Kid Chris. I ended up sending in bits to Casey to see what would happen. And then one night, you know, because on the West Coast, Stern would air live from 
3 a.m. to 6 a.m., then they would start it over for drive time. I got a call at like four in the morning from the board ops screaming at me into the phone. He's like, Stern's playing your O.J. Simpson prank calls. And I was like, oh my God. And I remember jumping up going, what is this? This is insane. Air Check, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities. Seasons one and two available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You can also listen on your smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, play Air Check Podcast or OK, Google, play Air Check Podcast. So uh, here you are. It's Friday morning, April 2nd, 2021. Walk us through that morning. What are you thinking about the second you open your eyes, shaving, driving into work, walking into that studio for the very last time? Actually, I started having those. It, I was able to be in the studio for the final week. And going in Monday was completely different than going in on Friday. Because Monday was like, okay, here's the final week. And it went great. You know, I was having a blast, taking calls. It was the first time I've been able to talk to listeners in uh, quite some time. Then Friday came. I slept okay. You know, I was I was very excited. Again, the radio station, pretty empty. The morning shows were there. You know, the engineers were there. I had prepared. You know, I spent the, the entire week coming up with songs that I wanted to play, my final songs. You know, they all fit the bill, you know, starting with uh, the Spirit of Radio and Magic Power, two great rock songs about the Spirit of Radio and its magic power. So I just found a number of songs. Pretty much the week had been preoccupied. What are the songs? You know, I have to get the right songs. And it was very personal because it was, you know, me finding the songs to express my feelings rather than to reflect a community, you know, mindset or feeling. Say, hey, this is what it is for me, kids. Made it through three of the four hours, and my voice broke once at the top of the two o'clock hour, the final hour. 96.5 WCMF. All right, well, it's been three hours, and uh, all right, it, it's starting to get to me there. It's good to be king, if just for a little while, and yet... I've been the food king and the mambo king and the workforce king for 40 years. And uh, you can't possibly know what that means to me, to be able to have been part of something so special. And and because of you on that side of the radio. And I always try to let you know that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm just on this side of the radio. And that's pretty much the... Uh, the only difference that, you know, a couple of restraining orders. But um, we started in there with uh, some great songs about reminiscing uh, Cherry Bomb and, of course, the Beatles and another reflection. It's been just like Paradise and, of course, Tom Petty. And uh, I still have some great selections uh, coming up this hour with all of you, uh, especially in mind, including this next one on CMF. But, yeah, it, it wasn't so much surreal as it was, okay, Here's the day. I was thinking about this day back in August when uh, I knew I was going to have my 40th anniversary. And then it became a very real date. And the weeks just flew by until it became that day. I had my son with me and uh, my girlfriend of uh, nine years. My uh, big uh, operations uh, manager stopped in. And then towards the end of the show, about a half a dozen or eight uh, other co-workers uh, showed up. A couple of salespeople, you know, did the last break over the uh, music. Normally in the spot where I did the dedications, I just, you know, just gave I'm the luckiest man alive speech, you know. And uh, and that was it. Uh, thank you all from the bottom of my heart for a life experience that will never be forgotten by yours truly. And as I've mentioned before, it's not really goodbye per se. It's just, yeah, I'll catch up with you down the road. And certainly when things calm down outside and we can gather again and we'll gather again and there'll be music and there'll be dancing and 
rejoicing and all of that. So I'll be part of that and I'll be looking for you. And certainly, uh, it's not like I'm going into witness protection yet. Uh, and I'll be around. I'll be in the community. I'll be here. I'll be there. You'll see me at the supermarket and you'll see me around. So I hope you stop and say hi. And uh, again, I've been uh, given the proverbial open door policy here. So if I uh, have such a, a whim... And come back and do whatever, you know, but uh, we'll see what happens down the line. First, I'm going to try this retirement thing. I'm ready for it. It's been the right decision. And uh, 40 years is a long-ass time, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chill out and take it easy. Bought a new tractor so I can get the crops ready. And uh, I'll be busy. i got some overalls. i got the whole deal. So I wish you the very, very best. Remember, Marty Casper will be taking over on Monday at 10 a.m. right after the break room. And again... Thank you so much. I can't say it enough. Be safe, be well, be kind, Godspeed, and thank you very much. I went out on top, I went out on my terms, and I found out most recently I went out with the highest ratings of my career in that last rating. So I'm getting a bonus next week. Woo! That's awesome. <laughs> Well planned. Well planned. Yeah, yeah, well, so, a, as so. you mentioned, you know, the, the collection of songs that you choose to fit the mood of the day of, of, of the event is so important. And that's that connection, the engagement that you continue to build with your audience. And that same thought process obviously went into your last day. Well, you mentioned those first two songs. Why don't you run down those last five as it comes to the end of that last hour? Okay. What were you thinking well, I, about those last five songs? Well, the first three uh, before I came off my first break, okay, Spirit of Radio, Magic Power, and then I played the Rolling Stones the last time. And I came out of the song, I said, it may be the last time. I don't know. So I, I left it kind of there. And then, uh, you know, progressed through the day about changes. Played a lot of Tom Petty because he was real good at speaking to things. I dig rocking around with you. Played Traffic, Dear Mr. Fantasy. Just, you know, some songs that really expressed how I was feeling. Jukebox music from the Kinks. Final three songs were Rush, the live version of The Garden, followed by The Grateful Dead, Not Fade Away, Going Down the Road, Feeling Bad, followed by Tom Petty, You and I Will Meet Again. And then, then I took a break for to do the Friday song. And those were the uh, last three. But I, I had a couple of themes. One of the uh, features of the Noontime Blocks was doing theme blocks, whatever was appropriate, whether it was National Hot Dog Day or whatever. But I said, you know, here's some songs about my philosophy of, of having been a rock and roll DJ. I like to rock from April Wine, All Night Long, Joe Walsh, ELO, Rock and Roll is King, uh, Old Time Rock and Roll from Seeger, David Essex, Rock On. Some of my uh, thoughts about approaching retirement. What will I do? Fabulous Thunderbirds, Why Get Up, Little Feet, Old Folks Boogie, uh, Todd Rundgren, Bang on the Drum, the Beatles, I'm Only Sleeping, great local band called Duke Jupiter, I'll Drink to You, which was one of the last songs as well reflections on how it has been. The one song I was going to play but didn't was Bob Dylan's Things Have Changed. Fantastic song, but it has a very hard and cold message. You know, I used to care, but things have changed. I said, that doesn't apply because I still care. But it's 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 a song that I've played in the past. I, I know I played it on nine, you know, after 9-11. But my reflections, Traveling Wilburys, it's the end of the line. David Lee Roth, Just Like Paradise, Tom Petty again, It's Good to Be King, and uh, John Mellencamp, Human Wheels, and Cherry Bomb were my reflections of, of how it's been. 
So there was uh, four hours of songs that were arrived at with great aforethought. And uh, I said, these are the ones that are going to have the most meaning. I could have played, you know, another two hours worth. I've gotten a lot of great feedback from it. People were pleased. Oh, yeah, I'm glad to see the Kinks made your final list. You know, cause, but uh, yeah, so it was, it was great. And uh, not a dry eye in the house, I was told. So and, and that killed. I'm so I feel so bad that I made so many people sad with my exit. Wasn't the intention, but 40 years. Dave, I want to say thank you for your time being here with Rich and I today on Air Check. And as a nice parting gift, we're going to send you a copy of a movie you've never seen called FM. We encourage you to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little embarrassed by that. It seems like a, it's not on my resume. You didn't see FM? You can't have this job. But yeah, and that was of a time. Uh, and, and it was before my time in Ray, but it certainly had the, the glamour and the mystery and the appeal and uh, the, uh, the, what do you call it? the uh, scintillating uh, aura about it. Oh, that looks cool. Sex and drugs and rock and roll. Well, 40 years of doing anything is a milestone and to do it in the radio business at one radio station is pretty remarkable. Thank you, Dave, for telling us your stories. Uh, enjoy your retirement. And you know, those stories and those moments that you created, that you were a part of during those years in Rochester, your listeners are going to be looking at that from all different angles. And, and perhaps maybe there's a young, uh, you know, person who's looking to get into radio if if hopefully we're all wrong and it still exists in the next 20 30 years or how it is how we all know it you know in the road that it takes to get on the radio you know you're there dan ingram right you're you're they're looking at you and saying wow i used to listen to to kano on cmf and and he's the guy that got me into this business so it's stories like that it's a it's a career like yours that really sets the stage for as i call it the bench so congratulations thank you rich thank you paul i know what you just mentioned you know people you know, in my run up to the anniversary and to my exit, you know, the, the kinds of things that they said, just like uh, you, you mentioned, you made me want to get into radio and uh, legendary and icon. And what's most gratifying, what's among the most gratifying things, not only the acknowledgement from, uh, you know, the listeners, but also from my peers like yourself and Paul, who after the fact have been able to help me look back on a career that has been awesome and just uh, reinforces you know, the choices I've made over the years leading up to this, uh, getting now to sit back and reflect as an elder statesman and, and have great stories about radio to tell. I guess that's you know what life is about. You work your whole life and you have great memories and you're able to enjoy them with other people. Absolutely. Thank you so Thank much, you for man. Sharing. Yeah, it was great. Great stuff, man. Enjoy your retirement. You know, do anything and everything you want, man. Just enjoy. Thanks, Rich. Thank you, Paul. I'm gonna. Thanks for having me on. It's been a, it's been great fun here on the uh, Air Check podcast with Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly, Dave Kane, 90, formerly of 96.5 WCMF in Rochester. Signing off. Dave Kane, truly a Rochesterian. Kano. DVDs in the mail, popcorn not included. Air Check Season 3 has more to come. Don't forget every episode of Air Check Seasons 1, 2, and 3 now available, including Forever Media owner and Country Radio Hall of Famer Kirby Confer, WEBN Cincinnati morning host Kid Chris, the creator of the Classic Rock Radio format, consultant Fred Jacobs, plus Nina Blackwood, Danny Bonaducci, Debbie Counton, Eddie Trunk. You can stream or download every episode of Air Check on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play our check podcast if you haven't done so yet give us a great rating this is rich desisto and i'm paul kelly we'll talk to you soon closing out another episode of air check a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities if you have radio stories to share we'd love to hear from you join the air check guest list 
Email aircheckme at gmail.com. Musical props are Chris Gordon's. Announcer props, I'll take those. Greg O'Brien, the OB. Aircheck is available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play Aircheck Podcast. Aircheck is the creation of RDPK Productions.